Charles Noe. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is a prelude uh, to the first hour of episode 342. The reason we're doing this, Jason is with me and Alphonse Fagiolo is, is with me. We have a gentleman on, Dr. Graves, who's got legal information on offer, um, but it's not free. And I wanted to make sure that there was value in this before, because typically we don't run things like this. But here's the thing. We need options and we need options that work. And that's why we're covering what we're covering. So what I've done here is Jason and I have got Alphonse on to talk about Dr. Graves. Now, apparently a lot of the names in the legal arena you're familiar with started with Dr. Graves material. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Well, hello. All right. Welcome, Alphonse, man. It's good to have you back. Hey, guys. Good to talk to you again. So let's just cut right to it. There's basically a legal training system on offer. It is not free. Typically, we don't cover things like this. But I had heard that you leveraged off this man when you got started. So tell folks, um, do you know a lot of people that use this material to get their legs under them? Yeah, pretty much everyone I know that's doing this stuff right now has used Graves, his tutorial courses, uh, including Steve Emerson, who, listen, to me, Steve Emerson's the best there ever was at this, and he's the best there's ever going to be at this. And he started with that as the, uh, like he calls it the training wheels. Uh, Now, what's training wheels to Steve is revolutionary to anyone else that's first exposed to this stuff. And within the last two months, within the Telegram group, we've had about 40 people purchase uh, the course. Not one of them came back and said, it's a rip off or, you know, I'm not getting what I paid for. It's been the complete opposite where they turn around and said, oh my God, now I know what I've been doing wrong all these years. Yeah. So that's, that's what we needed to hear Alphonse from, you know, you've got the respect of the audience and basically Jason and I don't typically cover things like this that are going to have a cost, but here's the thing. I don't know about everyone. I'm going to ask you guys, I'm starting to come around to, I used to say the system is so effed up that there's no using it. And I've done a complete 180. What I'm beginning to realize is that if you're competent and you know how to utilize the system, the outcome is way better because guess what's built in? Enforcement. So many of these systems are doing the right thing. They're going through the right motions. But when it comes time for enforcement, there's nothing there. If you can utilize the legal system and use it as it was intended and force an outcome of some sort, the enforcement follows. I mean, I don't know what you think, Jason. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I, the last thing we want to do is make it sound like we've got this huge infomercial going on, which is why we had to ask Alphonse to make sure that uh, this is totally legit before we release this. But absolutely, we don't want to sound like we're just pushing some kind of marketing materials. This is the real thing. If Alphonse says it is, and just with the list of names he just rattled off, absolutely, this must be what's at the heart of all of this. This opens the door, in my view, and the reason I got Alphonse here was to back up my limited view. This is how you open the door to start to grasp that there is, in fact, a legal system in place that is still usable. Most of us, for a while there, were thinking, man, things are just so jacked up. You can't trust any of it. And the truth is, we all forgot that there was a system here, and none of us learned how to use it. I mean, what would you add to that, Alphonse? Listen, I'm going to sound like a Steve Emerson fanboy, but I am. Listen, he's one of the most gracious. I talk to Steve maybe once a week. He's one of the most gracious guys I ever met with his time and his information. Here's what Steve told me. And listen, (laughs) unless people don't know who Steve is, the guys I'm aware of, the suits I know that Steve has handled, 
He's gotten over $50 million of actual settlements. I'm not talking phony settlement. He's got $50 million of settlements. They're just the ones that I know of. In Steve's words, he said, the system's damn near perfect. Okay. There's nothing wrong with the system at all. The problem is it's the people in government that are abusing and misusing the system. And not only are they the problem, it's us, the people who have fallen asleep on our rights. And first of all, we never were taught how to use the system. They never taught taught us this in school. These are the basics they should have given us in school, in junior high and high school. They should have taught us this stuff. They didn't. There's a reason they didn't teach us this because they don't want you to know it. Okay. And it's our fault. Like he said, you know, people will go watch Dancing with the Stars and Frasier reruns and they'll never sit down and read their state tax code. And he said the problem with taxation, which is the main problem with most people, is that nobody knows what the tax code is because nobody reads the tax code. And if you read the tax code, you'd quickly learn that you're not a taxpayer because you meet no definitions of a taxpayer. So we have this we have this malaise going on in the in the world that it, it, it we've done it to ourselves. Uh, I mean, listen, they, they did it to us through schooling and through indoctrination, through through media, but we never learned how to use the system. And there's nothing wrong with that system when you know how to execute it. When you can execute it way like guy like Steve does, uh, he, he's lethal. I, I mean, it, it's deadly. And when you see how uh, how basic it is, it's really there's nothing overly complicated to what he's doing. He's just basically reading the actual law, statutes, and codes. And he's holding them to that because they're not operating under the law, statutes, and codes. And the problem is we go into court. We don't know any different. You know, you, you get stuck with a lawyer. Think about it this way. The, the, the court, it's like they're speaking Chinese in court and you hire this lawyer and he's your Chinese interpreter. So you go into court and you have no idea what's going on. You don't know if he's screwing you over, which he is. Uh, so you have no idea what's going on in this matter. And you're always going to get the short end of the stick because that attorney's first duty is to the bar and to the court. That's they're his duties, not you. And if you're going to rely on an attorney to go on, to go in and, and defend yourself, you're going to get be stuck on the short end of the stick many times. And that's the reason you want to do the, the graves course. And listen, uh, let, let, let me, let it be known. Cause it seems like people got upset with this stuff, but I get a whole fifty-dollar commission when we recommend the course, but I got two uh, two admins in my my group, uh, Jessica that you've had on a couple times, Nurse Jessica, and uh, and Brett Fountain from the Randy Kelton Show. And any commissions I get come in from that course, I split with them evenly. So I turn around and make a total of sixteen dollars and sixty-seven cents every time somebody buys the course. Well. Let, let me jump in on that. Alphonse, I know from personal experience, I, I mean, it's got to be thousands of people you've helped at no cost. So if someone wants to beef about that, come talk to me. And by the way, Jason and I are looking for good information. We're vetting it, which is why Alphonse is here. We had a good idea before we did the interview, but we're being damn sure. Um, and there's no kickback coming my way. That's not really the point. And if you are, I know you've given away years of your life to help others. I get the emails all the time. But in, in a, as a one-to-one -one comparison, what's going on in the world now where everyone's been threatened with losing their livelihood, um, it's no different. If you go to places like the CDC, first words, this is experimental. You do not have to do this. All just in your face. And yet everybody who's being you know, thinks they're looking down the barrel of a gun, it's not the case. It's, it's coercion, maybe, probably doesn't even fit 
um, the, the, the definition of coercion. It's a threat. It's a double down. And if people simply took the time to understand their rights, which Dr. Graves court is going to get, well, like you said, your training wheels, but I don't like that word because I think what it actually does, it gets your sea legs might be a better way. So you, you have an overview. Um, it's well-documented and that's why we're doing this, but Alphonse, before we wrap up, cause I wanted to, I had to get you on the air to tell everyone your opinion of the graves material, which is the interview that's going to follow this. Um, what's new in your world? I mean, your, your, your telegram group has blown up. Is, is there anything new to report, uh, on your end of things? Yeah, I got a, I'm going to take another four or five months and I'll be, uh, going against the property tax people. I've got the suit already written. Uh, it, it's, it's done. I'm just, I'm just basically, uh, finalizing it, uh, updating it. Uh, that's my, that's my golden ticket right there. That, that suit. Uh, and it's lethal. It's a lethal suit. And the beautiful part about it is I have a derivative of that lawsuit, uh, a basic of it, uh, which I built off of that, uh, when I'm done, when, when my stuff is settled, that I will get out there for people to sort of, uh, use the guideline to, to go challenge property taxes. And what I'm going to tell people to do when you get the suit, like, like Steve said, it's like when you give this stuff to people, sometimes it's, it's like giving a monkey a machine gun, you know, don't just go run out there and slap your name on there and, and file it. You're going to get your, you're going to get blown out of the water. And the reason I'm going to take another four or five months to file this thing is not that I don't know it. I want to know it like the back of my hand. So that I could sit here and say, hey, according to Title 72-4643.1, a taxpayer must file a return in order to ascertain the amount of the assessment. And that's the stuff you have to get to that point. Because what will happen, is, Steve said, is when you file this stuff and your paperwork's done properly, there's no way these people can come in and sit down with you. And, uh, and uh, I mean, there's no way they can come into court and, and answer you. They can't answer this because... My God, you've got all kinds of criminal complaints in there, really severe criminal complaints that are in the suit. And if they lose, not only are they facing jail for, for this stuff, uh, the county could be <laughs> could get blown out of the water because anybody could take your paperwork and put their name on it. So you've got to learn this stuff like the back of your hand because Steve said, what you'll get is about week five or six, you get a phone call from one of the attorneys from the county. They're going to call you in. And they're going to basically interview and interview you in a way. They're going to find out, did you write that lawsuit or did you get an attorney to, to write that lawsuit? Or is this something you printed off the internet and slapped your name on? So they want to make sure that you know this stuff. And when you can sit down there and just rattle this stuff off to them, that's intimidating to them. And they're going to say, this guy could walk into court and litigate this thing. He knows it like the back of his hand. And you'll be tested. We've heard it from everybody, sure. KL and other people. If you act, you fake your way into it. There's going to be a master's class at some point where you're going to have to pony up and let people know you understand. But here's here's the thing. I came a complete 180. I thought things at one point, I thought things were so broken that it was all just a foul loss, but it, it's not. The system is there, and the proof of that is the success. You opened up this short interview by talking about huge sums of money that have gone across. But here's the thing. If you utilize it, understand it, exercise your rights, the enforcement is built into it. And that's one big problem with all these people that are pushing back in certain ways. But here's the other thing. Go ahead, get a 1,000 people in a state 
and have them utilize these systems properly, the end result of that has to be when volume occurs for the system to adjust itself. And these are the things that everyone's concerned with. How can I stop being railroaded? How can enforcement be a part of what we're doing here? And how does this system get fixed? And I I'll say it one more time. I've come around that learning the system that exists, learning how to honorably as a living man or a woman utilize this system answers those three questions. Jason, anything you want to add before I wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. There's something we should get on the record here. And uh, I don't think Rose and you have ever discussed this, but Dr. Graves gave her a referral code. So if anyone uses that to go buy his thing, uh, it does come back to us. Oh, okay. I, I, I didn't even That's know. Cool. No, I, no problem with that. I could care less. That's great. Like I said, I, I, I could care. Listen, I've had people offer me a thousand dollars for 60 minute phone consultations, which I've never taken. I, I don't, I don't recommend people take that course for the money. I, I recommend they take that course so they could speak the language. Cause right now, like I, I could speak to certain people. They understand the legal concepts. Okay. Case in point, I got this, the sewer authority suit, you know, that's going on that I, that I've been fighting. And sometimes you get up and you look at things differently and the, the answer is sitting there right in your face the entire time and you missed it because you're off chasing something else and you're not looking at what's right in front of you. And case in point, here's what they did with me, what they're doing with everybody. I'm guarantee it's happening in your state too. I know it's happening throughout Pennsylvania. Uh, these lawyers will walk in the court and file what's called a municipal lien against you. Okay. Uh, you'll get a thing from the court clerk. He'll file it with the court clerk. She'll issue a judgment against you, which right off the bat, we have constitutional violations going on right now. And you're going to learn basically the problem they have, uh, the stuff you'll find out in Graves course, where you never got service of process from that court. That, that, that other party never served you process. You got a mailing in the mail. That's, that's not service of process. So in this filing, what the court cited was pursuant to rule 236. And when you look up 236 in Pennsylvania, it's actually under... Title 231, Section 236, it states under Section A1 and 2, there's two sections. Section 2, the court clerk is responsible for notifying the parties of any order or judgment in, in the matter. Well, we know for a fact that, Crow, you know this, and Jason, you know this, a court clerk can't issue judgments, can they? No. Okay. So we know, so we know Section B is off, off the table. So then we go to section A of that 236 that they cited, and it's specific and it's definitive. It states that is a judgment by confession, it's called. And you wonder, it's sort of, what does that mean, judgment by confession? What almost sounds like what it is, because when you go, when I went in and read Pennsylvania case law, they couldn't have been any more clear about what a judgment by confession is. A judgment by confession is basically a contract or an agreement where one party agreed to with the other party that if there was any conflict in this matter, that they would grant them what's called a warrant of attorney or language very similar to a warrant of attorney. And here's what a warrant of attorney is. It states that if we have a conflict, hey, listen, you don't have to go through standard legal process and sue me the proper way. You could go right to the clerk and get her to issue a judgment in this matter because if I gave you that, that warrant of attorney and that judgment by confession, in a way, that's a contract between us that the clerk, all she's doing is act, acting in an administrative function. She's just executing the terms of the contract that we've already agreed upon. But I never gave the county, the borough, the township, a warrant of attorney and a judgment by confession. 
So how did we get to a judgment without a judgment, without a judgment by confession? And we further get into how do we get to a judgment without a trial by jury, which is uh, in Article 1, Section 6 of the Pennsylvania Constitution, right to trial by jury is inviolate, which means it's permanent. So now we got two major problems happening in this case. We got a clerk that issued a, a judgment under a judgment by confession that doesn't exist. And they also violated due process and violated your right to trial by jury. This came from sitting down and reading through Title 231, Section 236, and looking at what they did. So instead of sitting back like a lot of the Patriot Mythology crew does and says, those statutes don't apply to us and this doesn't apply to us, go through there, read this stuff, and then take what you've learned from like Graves' course and, and challenge them. Hey, you never gave me service of process in this case. That deprives the court of personal jurisdiction right off the bat. No service of process. No personal jurisdiction in this matter. Now we get involved in subject matter jurisdiction. The two things the court needs. Subject matter jurisdiction. Okay. How did the, how is this attorney creating a lien, a judgment before any trial occurred? Where did he get that power and authority to do that? He doesn't have it. From ignorance. <laughs> from from ignorance. But but what happens when, you know, this is what I'm talking about. So when that gets pushed back on and it succeeds, the enforcement is already in place. There is one key hurdle that is a problem for a lot of the systems we've seen. The second thing is that happens. Do you think that borough is going to just keep conducting la 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 like they ever have? Or are they going to begin to think we better not do this or we're going to get our you know butts handed to us? They're going to keep doing it until there's three, four, five people in that borough, township, or county that are doing this, that are popping up doing this, okay? Hey, listen, Steve's walked away with uh, the biggest settlement he's got so far is $38.2 million in the one property tax settlement. Guess what? They're still doing the corruption. To, me, to them, it's cost of business. Hey, how many, how many hundreds of millions of dollars are we stealing a year from these people? Eh, we had to give $38.2 million back to a guy. Oh, well. Well, if there were five people in that county doing what Steve did and they were getting banged for a couple hundred million dollars a year, the insurance company would go to them and go, hey, knock it off. We're not going to pay this anymore. The people are catching on. Stop it. Stop what you're doing. They're catching on. So until we get enough of us step forward and do this, it's going to continue, Crow. But like Steve said, hey, man, you got to take care of yourself first and then you help your neighbor and then you help you know whoever. You, but you got to get your own affairs in order. And, and the problem is too many people jump into this thinking that, that they're going to bring the entire system down with this one lawsuit. I'm sorry, man. It's not going to happen. They're, they're not going to let that happen. It's not going to work that way. You've got to become an island into yourself. And then you can help your family, your friends, and your neighbors. Like Steve said, in his, he lives in Florida, Orlando, Florida. You know, there's a code inspector. No code inspector will come within three blocks of his house. They won't step foot in his neighborhood because they've been sued so many times. They're afraid to walk in that neighborhood. That's change. That is change. That's it. And so I think we see where, you know, all, all the crazy in the world, there are other things that are not on the headline news. Um, there's change in the wind. And anytime there's change, then there's a good chance not all that change will be bad. Um, right now, uh, I think we should wrap up, guys. There's going to be a full episode behind this, but suffice it to say, Jason and I did our due diligence. We went and did the interview with Dr. Graves. Then we went back to Alphonse to authenticate the value here because typically we don't 
typically we don't do a thing that's got some, unless it's like supplements or some product. Um, but the thing is people need options now. And if it's a good option, I'm more than happy to cover it. And so I'm saying Dr. Graves is a good option. No, it's the best $250 you'll spend. Let me, let me tell you something. I mean, I, I, I've dealt with experienced attorneys, big shot attorneys here that, that are the, that the solicitor for this County, this borough, and just the basics that they do wrong. Like I sent an admissions request in which you answer uh, admitted, denied, or not enough information. They're your three responses. So I send this admission request into an attorney. He gives me full paragraph responses. You don't do that. So these are the basics you're going to learn with a course like that. I wouldn't recommend this course if I didn't think it had great value. Believe me, I, it's, I could care less about the 1667. If you think that's why I'm recommending a course to you, you don't have a clue. Well, that's that's just all nonsense. I mean, I, I I know how many hundreds and hundreds of hours you've given away to help people. Look look at what Jason and I are doing. I'm doing this seven days a week just to make an episode image ends up being five hours these days because everything's copywritten. So if anyone wants to beef about that, go ahead and talk to me. I'll deal with those those complaints and I'll deal with them in short order. Um, we're serious about these things. We work hard at it. And anyone with a track record like you who have helped so many, I don't think there's anywhere to beef, but Jason, you want to, you want to add anything before I wrap up? So thanks for coming on Alphonse. We definitely needed to add a little thing on the beginning here, just because Crow and I were not sure what to make of everything. And we really do try and be as transparent and honest as possible about all this stuff we do, because there's just so many people out there who are trying to pull nonsense. So thank you very much for the time as always. No. And listen, this stuff is, this is not like, there's a million guys out there selling subscriptions and this and that. No, let me tell you something. These are documents that the court's going to recognize. When you file these documents, the judges know exactly what you're doing. This is not some out of the off, you know, left field, out of left field process that nobody understands. When you do this, they're going to know exactly what you're doing. And you're actually going to get a lot of respect from both the judge and the, the attorney you're opposing because they're going to know you're not just another one of the monkeys that has no clue what they're doing. That they're going to steamroll. Because evidently, you, you know a little bit. You, you're filing the proper documents here. All right. Let's wrap it up, guys. And actually, Rose just texted me. She's listening in. And she says that Crow 777 Radio will have a referral code, which I was not aware of. But whatever. Um, the main point here is I'm interested in good options. And I'm interested in its success. If I can take a good option and pair it with successes, I'll do whatever I can to get it out to people. Um, this is not a, you know, a one pointy show. There are so many different ways to go at things and everything I can cover that has succeeded, that is legit. And if it's part of an existing system, I'm all about it. Listen, uh, Crow, just to interrupt you. I, I agree with you totally. I, I, I listen, I talk to all these guys. I know these guys, the only guys I know that get paid and I hear people say, Oh, it's not about the money. No, it's about the money. It's about their money until you could reach into their pocket and show them that you, you could hold them accountable. They're not going to respect you. The only guys I know that get paid, they do it the legal process way. They do it the jurisdictionary way. They're using the Steve Emerson principles, basically. They're using their law, statutes, and codes against them. These are the only people that are getting paid in this matter. Listen, I've made a ton of things go away for people. I've actually even gotten help people getting paid about $400,000 in settlements, uh, but they're very minor successes compared to guys like Steve Emerson. The guys that are really successful at this, they're using real law. They're using this stuff, that the, the jurisdictionary course, and they're following legal process. They're not doing these crazy documents and, and things they print off the internet. They're following the law and holding the people accountable. Because like you said, there is an accountable process in there if you know how to access it. 
right. There was a system that worked legitimately for quite some time. And basically, uh, if I had to sum up how we got to where we are, it's corporate creep. It's what it is. Corporations crept in pretty soon. Everything was a corporation, including your municipality or your police. Um, and so over time, people's ignorance grew and corporate control grew at the same time. And that was a bad combination. But guys, I'm going to wrap it up here. Suffice it to say, the jurisdictionary course that Dr. Graves is offering has been used by just about every name uh, that we hear in the legal community that's been out there kicking butt. And so I'm going to offer it out to all of you. Anyhow, thank you so much, Alphonse, Jason. Uh, all This is like a prelude to episode 342. Uh, Jason, just so you know, we're actually going to run this um, based on, on the confirmation here as a full episode 342. There it is, man. I'd like to wish everybody a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 342. Jason Lindgren is with me and Dr. Graves. Everyone out there should know that Alphonse Fagiolo refers to Dr. Graves as one of his mentors. Uh, I'll put it out there right up front for folks that want to find the website, uh, which is in a lot of ways, kind of like what Alphonse does, but in a slightly different way, uh, training people how to stand up in court on their own two feet. The website is this, howtowinincourt.com. That's howtowinincourt.com. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a very good morning to you. Did I drop anything out of that? No, that sounds right. All right. Welcome, Dr. Graves. Thank you. So let me just give a quick outline of where we're headed. These are some of the things that we're going to cover uh, in the first and second hours. The need, why this matters, the solution, the problem, the elements, the procedure, the opposition, an interesting one called the shame, the myths, the system, and then it's going to get into rights and beneficial news and things like that. But everyone listen up. If Alphonse marks this man as a mentor, there are clearly things that we could all benefit from here. So Dr. Graves, as we get into this, we've covered a lot of different legal ideas. I mean, across the gamut, I suspect what we're going to do here is you're coming from the premise that there is a system in place, which is operable if you know how to operate within it. Exactly. Okay. Where would you like to jump in? Well, I, I kind of made a few other notes. I hope it's okay. We'll just go there that everybody has rights and we talk about rights, 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 rights. You know, I have rights. By golly, I have rights. I demand my rights. But there's a number one right that people don't seem to be talking about. And that is the right to know how to enforce your rights. And if you think about it, if you can't enforce your rights without mortgaging the house, you don't have any rights. I mean, you can say, well, I have rights, but if you don't know how to enforce the rights, what good are they? The Constitution talks about due process, and yet the Constitution doesn't tell us what due process is. Due process is pleadings and notices and motions and hearings. That's the things that my course gives people in a way that I don't think has ever been done before. I've had other lawyers tell me and other customers tell me that we've never seen this before. This is different. And it is different. And it's a shame because it's really easy. It's just understanding that there are rules. The rules apply to everyone. They're fair. But if you don't understand the rules of any contest, you really can't expect to win. So we make the rules easy to understand. 
how to use the rules tactically and strategically. And I'll get into that with you any way we can, but I want to emphasize that, as I say, people think about their rights, they get angry when they think their rights are being abused, and yet we have not yet broken through to the American public to have them understand this is something an eighth grader can understand how to do. So once you know how to enforce your rights, how to file pleadings, how to have a summons issued and served on your opponent, uh, heads begin to roll. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that your listeners are anxious to make a difference. But sending out emails to all your friends really isn't changing much. Carrying signs in the street may help a little bit. But ultimately, when people go to court, heads roll. And I think that's what we want people to understand. Enforce your rights. Talk, don't talk, talk, talk is, is wonderful, but talk's cheap. Going to court and knowing how to file paperwork that makes people do things they don't want to do or go to jail. You can make people go to jail if they don't do what the rules require. That's power. And I think the people have a right to know what that power is, even though the bar and other lawyers like myself, they don't want you to know. I do. All right. So I'm all ears. And one of the things that I'm already picking up on here is all these people are going at the law in different ways and they're, they're using the system in one way or another. The problem always becomes enforcement. And what's already got me interested by what you just laid down is there's a system in place and there is enforcement within that system. So what I'm already kind of picking up from you is if you did serve a summons through the system and someone ignores it, there's already repercussions headed their way completely independent of you. Well, there can be. Certainly, you have to push the ball. You have to make things move. And my course talks about that. We call them motions. That's how you make things happen. But it isn't difficult, and that's what's kind of exciting. And let me just quickly tell you one thing in history that happened to me in 1997. I was preparing a motion, and I had my rule book beside me. And I was trying to say, it, was, it comes now the plaintiff by and through his undersigned attorney and moves this honorable court pursuant to rule. And I couldn't remember the rule number. And so I grabbed my book, and it was rule 1.370, I believe. But I didn't remember that. And I grabbed it. And suddenly I realized that in that book, there were only a very few pages out of this big, thick book, just a very few pages that I'd been using for 10 years in every case, maybe 20, 30 pages. The rules of evidence, every criminal case, every civil case, federal, state, whatever, in, in the federal rules, it's 19 pages, Crow, 19 pages. This is not too much for people to understand. And with the explanations I provide in my course, that an eighth grader really, that's what people tell me. I didn't make that up. People keep telling me an eighth grader can understand this. You can understand what a, a, a motion to compel is, what a motion for default is. It's, it's not hard to learn. It's not rocket science. It's not differential calculus. And it's fair. It doesn't favor lawyers. What it does, it favors anybody that wants to know how to force the judge to make everybody in the courtroom obey the rules. They're wonderful rules. People, you know, too, very, far too many people died for our right to have these rules because without the rules, you have no rights. All right. So before we jump in here, I'm going to ask a question. Think about it carefully. 
Do you want to give out direct contact information other than the website I've already stated? If you do this in hour one, the response can be overwhelming. If you opt to wait till hour two, when we're primarily speaking to membership, it can still be overwhelming, but not to the same degree. Do you prefer to use the website or would you like to give direct contact? And I'm not kidding. You can be radically overwhelmed. The phone number's on the website. So it's it's a toll-free number, 866. It's law easy, 866-LAW-EASY, but it's 866-529. Well, Okay, I've already done it, haven't I? You've already just done go it. To, just <laughs> go, to, go to the website. Everything you want to know is there. We've made okay. it very clear. Uh, you'll see a preview of all the classes, and I hope that people will understand that we really have to take responsibility to use what's been made available to us through the sacrifice of literally millions of young lives that were laid down so that we would have the right to go to court and be heard and call witnesses and demand justice. And if you know some other lawyer that's done this, please let me know. But I don't know anybody that's done this. I'm not trying to put a feather in my cap. I just want people to know about it. It's not right for the American people to remain ignorant about what the lawyers have hidden from you literally for thousands of years. All right, before I hand this over to Jason to get us on the road. Well, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to truncate what I was about to say. Jason, you want to get us going down and and into the the meat of the information here? Well, the one thing I am curious about that a lot of folks are probably going to ask is how did you get involved with this in the first place? What did you see going on or what did you experience that got you on this road and then we could plunge into the information itself? Well, that is a bit of a story. I had some events when I was living in Atlanta. And I was then in probably my late 20s and decided I wanted to go to the library, the county library. I hadn't been in a library since high school. And I went into a library. and It was in the afternoon and a beam of light shone through a pinhole in the, in the curtains. There was no one else there. Just There was a little dust in the room. So there was this beam of light that shone on a, on a particular set of books, leather-bound books with gold lettering. And like anybody else, I think, would, I pulled the books down, started reading them. And for years thereafter, I kept reading old books, a certain kind of book that told me about not just the history of our republic, but what our republic is and what is required for the republic to be sustained. You know, we have so much on the Internet now about people that talk about, you know, well, I what Jefferson said or what Franklin said there on the 4th of July and so forth about you have a republic if you can keep it. But it didn't seem to me that, that, that the people that I meet or the people that I hear about on the Internet understand much about what I learned. But it took me years and years and years to learn it. And then later, when I was 39, I had a friend who went to law school and <laughs> He talked to me about things I found very, very interesting because of my reading history. When I read all these old, dusty old books that I guess no one else was reading, and but I found them interesting. Maybe that's just peculiar about me, but they are interesting. You know? And I said, well, if Jim can do it, I can do it. <laughs> so I went to law school and uh, it didn't take too long for me to understand that that what I had thought was an honorable profession can be 
In some cases, I think it is certain kinds of lawyers that do wills and trusts and and handle business types of things. Most of those people are really nice people. And I hope most of them are honest. But when I found out about people who litigate, uh, it it was uh, damn the torpedoes and uh, win at any cost, including cheating and twisting the rules and confusing the judge and making up things that don't exist. And it, it just made me angry. And then some things happened later on where I began to really see the corruption that some, not all, but some, emphasize not all, but some judges uh, abusing their power. And then I met Fred Redden, a wonderful human being who recently passed away. And he said, we've got to get you a website. And that's how it all began, Jason. All right. So I'm going to state the need quickly so we can start to get into some some good information while we're still near the beginning of hour one. Um, there's a need. There's a bullet point that I'm looking at. And the main takeaway that I see here is the Bar Association itself admits that four out of five Americans cannot afford a lawyer, uh, which already tells you something uh, about what's going to happen in any legal thing that comes up. But I would say what's even more for those who of you who have followed the Alphonse and so many different styles of legal ideas on how to deal basically because of that point, what we've also discovered is many of those, I guess, Dr. Graves would say the, the litigating lawyers, uh, they're enforcing corporate policy in a way, so many of them. Um, and so Dr. Graves, let's start to get into some of the nuts and bolts of what people need to know. Because, you know, you're sitting there one day and a letter comes in the mail or, you know, Lord only knows what happens. And the next thing you know, you're supposed to go stand in front of the man. Well, there are rules. I keep emphasizing that. And as I said, that when I realized that there were only a handful of rules, uh, not to know the rules, it's like sitting down to play a game of poker, put your money on the table and you don't know if a straight beats a flush. It's crazy. But people do that. And. You know, in a single weekend, someone can begin to understand what the rules are and how they work. And, you know, you have to understand not just criminal cases, but civil cases. We've helped, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of people who lost their children. I mean, can you imagine you come home one day and your children have been taken uh, and you don't know why? You don't know how to get anybody to answer any questions. They're trying to take your home away from you. They're trying to destroy the business that a young couple's just trying to start. Uh, All kinds of horrible things happen. And you have power. The people have power. They don't know they have power. Before, I've told people it's like having a 357 Magnum in your back pocket, and you don't know it's there. So the, the bar has, in my mind, has never made any effort, whatever, any real genuine effort to educate anybody about much of anything about the law, though they do occasionally have lawyers or judges go to the schools and talk about the Constitution. But again, uh, the Constitution is a wonderful thing. I've taken an oath many times to support the Constitution, but the Constitution doesn't teach you how to enforce the Constitution. So I thought this was a good idea to create a course that would make it easy for anybody that wanted to make an effort to learn how to defend themselves in court or to sue somebody when they're injured or 
destroyed or when they need to make somebody in high places sit up and pay attention to them. Let's pull this back around because I get hundreds of emails a day, every day, and I have my finger on the pulse of where the concerns of the vast following that we have right now is. And most of it has to do with people feeling like they are under threat, feeling like they're going to lose their job, feeling like they are not the administrators of their children, feeling Mm -hmm. like they're going to be forced to do things for basic services. So can we kind of give an overview um, or solutions or this kind of thing? As an example, I have probably 1,500 emails from the last couple of weeks where it says, my employers inform me if I don't get this shot that I'm worried about, that I'm going to lose my job. I have as many emails from parents saying, I don't want my children to breathe their own exhaust fumes all day long. And the school is now saying if they don't come masked up every day, they can't come to school. Um, On and on it goes. And I think you get the tone and tenor of the pressure that's being applied in all these different ways right now. How does what you have on offer relate to these ideas in order to fend off or defend or protect your rights, I guess is probably what you would say. Well, fending off is done with an injunction. Uh, It would be a petition for an injunction that forms are in my course. And you present an injunction and you show that there is a need that a money judgment alone will not cure the need. That's one of the elements. And we'll talk about elements here maybe in a moment. But every case stands or falls on a certain number of elements, essential fact elements. Could be a breach of contract case or an injunction to stop somebody from making me wear a mask or to take a shot. Uh, So once you begin to understand that these elements are the key to everything, and believe it or not, maybe I was asleep that day, but I don't remember they taught that in three years of law school and the $100,000 I paid to go to law school, working part-time as a carpenter, by the way. It's so simple. Most cases, whether it's an injunction or, or what it is, a foreclosure, whatever it might be, they stand or fall on usually no more than five essential fact elements that have to be pleaded, and then they have to be proven, and then we move the court for a judgment. Uh, And probably most cases are three, no more than four, occasionally five. So once you understand what the elements are that are required to be pleaded to get an injunction, then of course you have to plead them. If you don't plead them and all you do is complain and say, my constitutional rights are being violated and my, oh, my, it's just terrible, uh, that doesn't get you anywhere. But when you plead the essential fact elements for any, what we call a cause of action, a petition for an injunction is a cause of action, action for breach of contract is a cause of action. Uh, When we plead those essential fact elements and then we use what's called discovery, You have five discovery tools. There aren't 120 or 1,000. There's only five. They're easy to understand. So you use your five discovery tools to get proof into the record, essential admissible evidence into the record that shows that these essential fact elements that you have alleged are, in fact, true. And once you've done that, then you move the court for a judgment. Believe it or not, many lawyers don't understand this, 
And so that's why I was very successful in defeating other lawyers that were representing bad people. Good people win when you use the rules because the rules favor good people. But you can't win if you don't know how to plead and you don't know how to prove and you don't know how to move. It may sound oversimple, but that's the light that came on with me in 1997. I said, oh, my gosh, all of this three years of law school and 10 years of practicing law. And now all of a sudden I see that it's, it's really simple. Plead, prove and move. So if I followed you correctly, um, I, I have questions already. So how often, like, so an average person can file an injunction, if that's the correct terminology. So that means somewhere out in the world, the person who you feel is doing you wrong is getting papers um, saying that there's an injunction coming. How often do people see that injunction and go, oh my God, I'll just knock it off. I don't want to deal with this. I'm afraid or whatever. Does it work that way ever? where people see the papers filed and begin to realize that, in fact, they're not doing the right thing and just cease and desist and everything goes away? Is that a possibility here? Well, you can hope. The big problem then is that somebody on the other side will hire a lawyer and the lawyer will greedily say, oh, goody, I get to make some money. And they'll drag it out and make it last as long as they can. But once you know how to plead, prove, and move, uh, you can pretty much force them to their knees if you're able to properly plead and you're able to prove and you're able to move and also make a record so that if the the judge at that level doesn't like you, that you will have grounds to appeal and you'll have a record to be appealed. It it sounds like we're talking about an awful lot of things. It may sound a little bit complicated, but when you take it apart into its separate parts, you realize it's not complicated. It's, It's something new, but it certainly isn't complicated. And uh, sometimes people do cave in. I've had that happen many times when I've been able to. In fact, I remember one case where a lady had a a leaking T-top, a Pontiac T-top. And all I did was go through a handful of steps and I filed my case properly with the proper pleadings. And I included the discovery, which was going to force General Motors to answer a bunch of questions under oath and produce documents. And GM's lawyer called me three days later and said, we want to settle. So maybe that answers your question. But if I had not done it correctly, GM's lawyer would have figured, well, I I can just lead this fellow through the weeds and the lady still have her leaking T-top. Instead, she got a new car and, I don't know, $30,000 or $40,000 cash. So part of what you've said is part of the process. You have to prove things. Does an affidavit come into the injunction process? We've covered an awful lot about affidavits and how an unrebutted affidavit, I don't know what the proper term is. It's a bit like gospel. If it's unrebutted, that becomes the truth or something to that effect. Does the affidavit play into the proving of an injunction process? An affidavit is not a pleading. Pleadings are complaints or petitions. If you're the plaintiff, If you're the defendant, they are answers and affirmative defenses. An affidavit may allege a fact, whereas a pleading petitions the court to take action. And just to be very clear, we're talking about civil court. This isn't criminal at all, right? That is right. In criminal court, however, you have basically the same thing. You're accused of a crime. So what is the first thing you do? You say, well, you're going to have to look at the law. You're going to have to do some legal research. And that's one of the things we were going to get to on our outline is that when I started coming into this, was I mean, I started this website before Google 
existed in 1997. People could go on the internet and look up the law. Before the internet, you had to go to the law library, and there you were surrounded with literally thousands of books. And those books wouldn't jump off the shelves and tell you what they contained or what you needed to find out. Today, you get on the internet. You, now you can use Google, but back then they were just beginning to get these internet electronic research mechanisms going. But you could put in a vicious dog bite and hit return, and it would bring up cases, appellate court opinions that you could read and find out, well, what is the law about vicious dog bites in Alabama or Louisiana or wherever you were? That didn't exist 30 years ago. It just didn't. Now it does. And each year it gets easier and easier for lay people to be able to know what the law is. So here we go. We get, we get accused of murder. Well, there are certain elements that the prosecutor must plead. He does that with a charging instrument. So he pleads that a death exists, that the death was caused by the accused. And then he alleges other things such as the death was premeditated uh, and so forth and so on. There become these elements and they have to be proven. And in a criminal case, they have to be proven beyond and to the exclusion of any reasonable doubt, as most of your listeners know. In a, in a civil case, you only have to prove by the greater weight of the evidence. But it's the same deal. There are these elements, and you must understand what the elements are, whether it's you're being accused of a crime, or someone's trying to take your home away from you, or they, they ran over your dog, or, or whatever happened, and you're angry and you want to sue somebody. Just find out what the elements are. My course explains all that. They're called causes of action. And once you know what those essential fact elements are, again, you plead them. You use your five discovery tools to prove them. And then you move the court with written motions. And uh, if you do all this properly, you should never have to go to trial. What you see on TV is just something interesting. People see Perry Mason walking around a courtroom, but cases are won before trial. And most of the cases, in my opinion, that go to trial went to trial because people didn't know what they were doing in the first place, or the lawyers just wanted to bill their clients more time. Surprised? And maybe it's important to point out that what we see on television is pure poppycock and maybe even on purpose? No, I think, no, no, I, th I think that, that there's a lot to be learned. You learn a little bit about a you know, objections and things like that. Occasionally they do things right. But uh, you win a case on, on paper. Sooner or later, it all has to be won on paper. It ends up being written down, put in a file. And when it's all over, it's stored away somewhere. You can go back and look it up again. But it's all done on paper. And almost everyone that's listening, well, I guess maybe everyone that's listening has a word processor they can and a printer. And they can write these forms. I've given sample forms in the course. But it's, it really is unbelievably simple. I, I want to see this taught in schools. I think it should be taught in schools. I think we should start in the first grade and teach the fundamentals of the obligation of a contract, fundamentals of justice. Before we start talking about how to win in court, we should talk about what is right and wrong in the eyes of the traditional American system that all those young people died for. Dr. Graves, you should set up a GoFundMe account and try to get funding for a course like this. I can't imagine a time 
when what you have on offer is more needed than right now with all the kind of bullying and threats that are going on uh, all over this country and others. But I can imagine people out there listening. This is Crow, by the way, saying, oh, an injunction. That's scary. Um, I, I'm not equipped to deal with an injunction. I, I would never be able to do that. That's something lawyers do. And can we maybe just take a minute to outline the process of deciding to do that and demonstrating that really you don't have to be a member of the bar or a specially learned person to do this? Well, when you're on the website, you're going to find a, a class called Causes of Action. One of those causes of action is a petition for an injunction. And by the way, you, we don't file an injunction. Judges sign an order that is an injunction. The, the injunction is the order we're seeking. So we, we file a petition for an injunction. A petition has to allege the essential elements. And the essential elements for a petition for an injunction, as I remember them, are that suing for money, money can't cure the problem, that it's, it's, it's necessary and it's imminent, needs to be done now, not five years from now. And then allegations with regard to the law that supports you know, our right to have that injunction, to stop this person from storing dynamite in his basement next door. Sorry, I got to interrupt here. So you're not going to have monetary concerns with an injunction. This is literally about stop it. Stop what you're doing. Or, or forcing someone to do what they don't want to do. Mm. One or the other. And by the way, I've gone over to howtowinincourt.com. It's quite an extensive site. But anyhow, I interrupted a, a train of thought you were having on to try to clarify. Can you pick up? Well, it comes back to what I was saying, that once you begin to see that that the pieces are very simple. You know, I, I had the advantage. My, my dad was a wonderful human being. He, he taught me how to use tools. And when I was 13, I was building my first car. So I, be, I learned early on how things fit together. And if you don't do things the way that the rules require, you don't get success. Uh, unfortunately, part of human nature is, you know, people, young people especially, I mean, like three-year-olds, they want things their way. They want it now. They want, you know, why, is, why am I not getting what I want? And the reason you're not getting what you want is because you're not doing it the right way. So once you know the right way, you know, life gets easy at that point. And you can begin to enjoy life and people don't push you around so much when you know how to, to uh, take, cut them off at the knees. So I suspect I know how you're going to answer this, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Um, so people can form clear ideas in their mind. Um, two of the most prevalent concerns of our followers right now are I'm being told to take this shot or I'll lose my livelihood. The other one is I'm being forced to cover my breath with a mask or my children are. If either or both of those things was happening to you, how would you respond? And I think I understand what you're about to say, but go ahead. Well, I could carry signs in the street. That won't get me anything. I could send out a lot of emails. I could start a new website. That probably isn't going to help anybody. Or I could sit down and using what I teach in my course or go to the law library if they don't want to get the course. But I can sit down and, and draft a petition for an injunction. And in that petition for an injunction, I would allege the essential elements 
of that are necessary to be pleaded and proven to get the court to enter an injunction. And when I make my argument properly and support it with existing the what's the law, then the court has to make a ruling. Nothing else is going to work. You can parade in the street, but it's not going to change these people. They're not, they're going to do what they want to do until the courts make them change. There's, there's uh, on the news this morning, there was someone has already filed an action to, in one of the states. I don't remember which one, but if they don't do it correctly, it's not going to work. It reminds me of a fellow some years ago who, who somehow managed to get 110 other people to sign on with a petition suing the IRS about something. And uh, one of my students signed on and he sent it to me. What, and I read through it. It was like this long, long on and on and on thing. And I said, well, it doesn't even state a cause of action. But the guy who had conned all these people into doing this, his ego was huger than the moon. And he wanted to be the big kahuna and run the show. And he had a website, had following, and he was leading people to the slaughter. But it's but it just do it the right way. And that's what you know, we live in a nation of laws. We can talk about how much we love the republic and how much we love the constitution, but if 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 we don't want to support a, a nation predicated on the idea that we're all supposed to be subject to a set of laws, then we're talking out both sides of our faces. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. But I gotta ask you a question here. It sounds to me like you were of a mind that we have a system. It's not broken. It's working. And people who are not bar members can utilize that system and succeed at some level. But I've got to ask, recently we saw things like courts closing their doors. As a matter of fact, you know, Alphonse Fagiolo, we know factually that a person who lived in that municipality had no idea that the information was going to make it back to us. They saw that he was coming in on a day. And so they said, oh, COVID courts closed today. And they stopped the due process, a courthouse stopped due process. And we know beyond the shadow of doubt, it was because they didn't know how to deal with Alphonse. And the okay. reason I'm bringing this up is because that's, that's a symptom. If that person had come to me, heads would have rolled. We would have fixed that. Judges would have been taken off the bench. Lawyers would have been disbarred. Clerks would have been fired. And, and hell would have come down. Like... <laughs> in that movie. I, I appreciate that response, actually. Well, that's what, but it has to be done. It has to be done a certain way. Carrying guns isn't going to do it. Writing emails isn't going to do it. You've got, let me tell you this, a fellow named Blackstone, one of those old, old books that I read, uh, he wrote a book called Commentaries on the Laws of England. And in the back of the book, he had a, a bunch of what we call maxims, which are self-evident truths that relate to the law. And one of those maxims was the courts are the theater of the power of the people. You know, like the, in World War II, we talked about the Pacific theater or the European theater. And Blackstone says the theater of the power of the people is in the courts and, and the lawyers, other members of my profession that I don't have a lot of respect for, for the most part, continually, either intentionally or negligently, I'll give them that, possibly, refuse to teach the American public the power that should belong to the people that was paid for by way too much blood. All right. So, Jason, I'm getting ready to hand it over to you. 
there is one more question I wanted to clarify. In all the, the law episodes that we've done, there have been times when people who are not members of the bar, just average living men and women, feel like they were treated differently or refused services um, like filing and other things. Uh, is it your contention that you don't have to be a bar member and if you know what you're doing, you can go in and get done what needs getting done? In other words, you won't be drummed out of town just because you're an average man or woman. I've proven that over and over and over again. Hundreds of people have gotten what they wanted by going to court, avoided going to prison. I mean, yeah. Okay. But but yeah, it's like anything else. If you don't want to play by the rules, then you know, you're not being fair either. Try to make believe everybody should play by your rules. Well, these rules were paid for by the, the sacrifice of far too many. I keep saying that because I really want to emphasize that. Our right to go to court is is paid for by lives. Sacred, wonderful human beings didn't get to come home and have apple pie so that you could go to court and be heard and call witnesses and demand action. So I think the point we really need to make clear here, because we've talked to so many different people about different law issues, there's this notion of what's generally called patriot mythology and you can't walk into a court and just start spewing a whole bunch of nonsense. The whole thing you're trying to get across here is that all you're doing is learning the proper procedures. And if you do the proper procedures and you're in the right, the court will do what it's supposed to do. Is that the general notion we need to get across to people and stop looking for all crazy stuff and start saying weird things and all that kind of thing? Exactly, Jason. It reminds me of something Thomas Edison said. Most people miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. So with a little bit of work, we all tend to shun work when we can, but sometimes you, you, you just need to do just a little bit of work. A weekend will get you started on this very easily. And then you begin to understand about the elements, about the pleadings, causes of action, how to prove things, how to make people answer questions they don't want to answer, how to keep lawyers from testifying. There's, there's a big one. You go to court and the lawyer starts telling everybody what the facts are. Well, he wasn't there. He didn't see the car run into the other car. He's, he's not allowed to testify because the rules forbid it. Or someone comes in, use that word affidavit. Someone comes in, they got an affidavit from Aunt Susie. Well, Aunt Susie's not there. I can't cross-examine Aunt Susie if she's not there. And I can't cross-examine an affidavit. So objection, Your Honor, hearsay. And by using the rules, I won over and over and over again. And I was up against lawyers. Don't blame me for being a lawyer. Don't think I had an advantage because I was a lawyer, because, you know, almost every case I had it was a lawyer on the other side. And I, I beat him, cut him off at the knees by using the rules. It's really simple. In fact, I remember when I early and I remember I went to law school, I was 39, so <laughs> When I started practicing, I was older than some of the judges. And I remember very early on in, in my career, uh, one of the judges looked up at me. It was like my first year after graduating. And he said, don't you lawyers ever read the rules? Well, I took that to heart. And lo and behold, that's the secret to all of it. We have a good system, but the system is, is polluted with, with people who want to make money, who, who hide the ball. Uh, judges that are half asleep. I've, I've been in courtrooms before where I had where I had a court reporter. That's part of what I teach in the course. Have a court reporter. 
And I would say, let the record reflect the judge is reading a comic book. Well, that'll get him started and make the judge sit up and pay attention. This is, this is a sacred thing. It's, it's not a game. This is, this is sacred. This is the, this is the people's right. It's the people's power. And it's time the people knew you have the power. The 357 is in your hip pocket. Get it out. Learn how to load it with bullets. Learn how to pull the trigger. Learn how to aim the thing and make people in high places do what they're supposed to do. Make bad people who pollute your neighborhood, corporations or whatever, pollute your, make them shut down. Make them pay you reparation when your child can't learn anymore because he's been poisoned with lead in the water in Flint, Michigan, for example. Things happen when people go to court. The sad thing is people think you got to hire a lawyer. Oh, gosh, I can't afford a lawyer. I guess I'll let it go. So things slide. It could have been taken care of years and years and years ago if my courses existed back in the 30s. But now it does exist. And it has been growing since 1997. And people need to know about it. This isn't about me. This has nothing to do with me. I didn't create the rules. I didn't create the system. I just want people to know about it. And it's not right that they should not know about it. It's not right that the legal profession should continue to hide it from the people. Dr. Graves, one of the things that's astounded me as we've come into what we call in our one COVIDious minimus, if you follow, we have free speech issues in the open hour, just so you understand why I would dodge words, is that clearly it appears that so many rights are being trampled on. And yet we've seen so precious few legal actions. And when one of them does work, it goes around the internet on fire. But there are so precious few of them. I'm guessing you would say it's because most people don't know how to how to use the system and, and obey the rules, as you put it. But have you had direct knowledge or been involved in anything that relates to the Covidius minimus onslaught, which is, from what I can tell, mostly about the rights of living men and women? being kind of bullied well yeah from time to time i think immediately of a a couple in mississippi that had their children taken from them and he has a phd he's a school teacher they never did anything wrong but it happens all the time i got a lady out in california her husband was killed with a somebody ran over him he was out changing a tire all kinds of horrible things are happening to people and the state the government, whatever you want to call it, you know, it, there's not much mercy. So you have to fight. I mean, you know, people go overseas and fight for your rights. And now it's time for the American people to continue the fight. Each of us has to fight. Someone's not going to do it for us. Well, picking up on something you said earlier, the attorneys on the other side, they know that most people are clueless and they use that to their advantage, of course, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. That's how you. That's how it's done. I mean, it, that's the whole thing entirely. People go to court, even if it's a lawyer. I've been up against lawyers that were dumber than a sack of rocks. So it was no difficulty defeating them. The difference between me and some of the other lawyers is that I never took a case from somebody that shouldn't have won. I, if, I, if they didn't, weren't somebody that, that should win morally and ethically, I told them to hit the bricks. So it made it easier for me because to win because I had winnable people and good people and winnable cases. But there's a lot of lawyers out there that just, especially family lawyers and divorce courts. I mean, the divorce lawyers just 
they just run over people, just drain people's pocketbooks and make things go on for years that should be done in, you know, in a few months and be over with. It's just sad. But the bar knows about this. I have to take continuing legal education courses, a certain number of courses every three years. And in some of those cases, the classes that I've had to take say just what I was telling you, that too many lawyers are not ethical. So the, the solution, you, you know, you can try to change the system. I don't know how that's ever going to happen with people sending emails. But I see there's a lot of patriot work out there, so-called. We're going to reform the courts. I don't know how you're going to reform the courts. We don't know how they work. But, you know, when the people themselves begin to learn how to use these tools and weapons that exist in the rules, like I said, I didn't create the rules. I just explained how they work. Things change. You know, little people get big results and they get their children back. Had one fellow sued a corporation and won like $125,000 without a lawyer. He didn't have a lawyer. He just studied my course, did what I taught, used the forms, and and the corporation was trying to take his copyright away from him. He taught them a lesson. So what you're getting at, and, and again, we're almost out of time for hour one, so I'm just trying to get some of the basic points out of the way so that we can focus on more detailing in hour two. But what you're saying is these things aren't necessarily difficult. You just have to put in the time. Don't be intimidated because that's the picture that they want to paint because, of course, they just want to bowl right over you. Yeah. Attorneys want you to throw $300 an hour at them and that kind of thing, and they're going to drag it out for as long as possible. So first of all, the fact that you're an attorney that has ethics and morals, well, I'm kind of under the impression that that's kind of rare. Second of all, the guy or gal who you're against knows you probably don't know what you're talking about and, of course, is going to use that to their advantage. And more importantly, or or at least as important, the judge also does not care about that, correct? Well, what the course emphasizes is making a record. When you do everything in writing, never go to court without a court reporter. One of the professors at my law school, he and I were about the same age. and We went sailing together, and we just knew each other after graduation for years. And he, he taught me many things. He said, never go without a court reporter. Make your record. So I always did. One quick story. I was in a case in Tampa. And there's a little bit of junior mafia in Tampa. I don't know if you know anything about Tampa. And I was up, I was, the judge had a name ended in a vowel. The attorney on the other side, his name ended in a vowel. And they're nice people. But but this one particular lawyer said to the judge, well, you know, judge, we go way back. (laughs) And I said, "Uh, yeah, your honor. And my court reporter's writing everything down. So can we get on with this? And the judge, you know, he knew that I had him by the by the by the tail. He, I had a record. He did. He's not going to go against me. I will make a record. I will take you up on appeal if you want me to take you up on appeal and embarrass you. And so I won consistently because I had a good professor. How does one ensure that there's a court reporter? Is this is this a position that you bring into the room with you, or is it provided by the courts? How does that work? Well. Some courts provide a a recording, but I've also heard that some judges have the person who runs the recorder to shut off the recorder at various times. So for for years, I would take my own court reporter. Of course, she charged me $35 an hour, but it was $35 well spent. 
when I could say over and over and over again, as I said earlier today, let the record reflect the judge is reading a newspaper or let the record reflect that the counsel is is uh, drumming her fingers on the bench or whatever. Things that have to be in the record so that an appellate court knows what was going on that was wrong, what was happening that should not have happened, what the appellate court is there to repair. So you make a record. It's this Again, it all sounds like it's so much more to learn, but it really isn't that much to learn. And once you learn it, it's, it's really a piece of cake. It's super, super easy. So, so for the record, uh, is, is it, does it require a legalistic certain kind of record or could anyone no. with an iPhone in their pocket just say, no, Hey no, man, no. I'm recording. No, like, a, like my court reporter that I used in, in uh, Stewart, Florida, she had a whole team of reporters. I, I like that one particular person because I could call her up later and I could say, yeah, she was, she was a certified court reporter. And I think there also have to be notaries. So when she finishes her transcript, she swears to God that, that what was, what's written there, that's what actually was said in the courtroom. And I can get a transcript. And I'd call her up later. I said, do you remember when the judge said this and that? And she'd say, yeah, I do remember that. I said, well, can you give me the page before that, the four pages after that, so I don't have to charge my client, you know, uh, whatever it was, $4 a page instead of 100 pages. And she would do those things for me. Then I had that, and I could file that with, with a motion, and I, and I generally won. Every smartphone in existence today records audio. Would that, would that be enough? Or Well, in, in, some, in some states, some courts, uh, you'd be thrown in jail for making a recording. So you have, to <laughs> find out, you have to find out in advance whether that's uh, permissible or who's going to make the recording. But if you can bring your own court reporter, I think that's best. Then if you can trust your court reporter. All right, Dr. Graves, that's about it for hour one. We're going to take a break. We're going to refresh ourselves and come back for hour two of 342. Uh, Jason, anything you want to get into the tail end of hour one? Dr. Graves, why don't you just give out the website one more time for hour one listeners and give the quick version of what it is exactly you're offering and why they'd want to go there, please. Well, it's real easy. How to win in court. Howtowinincourt.com. Pleadings, proof, motions. Forms, examples, five-hour video, two and a half hours of audio, quizzes at the end of most of the class. You can quiz and see how you did and go back and, and learn what you didn't get the first time through. And, and uh, in a single weekend, you're going to know a whole lot more than you know now. And if you spend four or five more days after that, you get to a point where you're able to take on these crooked lawyers. You know, the easy thing is easy to beat a crooked lawyer. Not so easy to beat a good lawyer, but so many lawyers are crooked. And because they're not playing according to the rules and you know how to play it according to the rules, you win. Howtowinincourt.com. All right, there it is. Now, is it expected that everybody has to be up to speed enough to modify the documents? Or are you ever available to say, hey, my job's going to fire me if I don't take this experimental inoculation? Do you ever make yourself available to personally? see that a document is correct? I don't give legal advice. I don't get back into that. And because then uh, it's just, I just want people to, to learn on their own. There's too many, I have to help too many people. I can't spend a lot of time helping individual people, but people that will take the effort and, and, and take responsibility and make an effort. You'll learn this stuff very quickly. If you absolutely need tutoring, there is an opportunity to get tutoring, but 
it, it shouldn't be necessary. If you just go through the course from start to finish, it really is a piece of cake. It's very self-evident. All right. I asked that question on purpose because I'm trying to avoid frivolous emails and frivolous contacts so people understand exactly what's there and uh, what's expected. Anyhow, that is the end of the first hour of episode 342. On the second hour, we'll be able to open up a little bit more as we always can and not have to say ridiculous things like Covidius Minimus. But uh, join us over at crow777radio.com for hour two. That's C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing.